Hello and welcome to the Unappreciated Carer Podcast, episode three. And we have quite a treat for you today. So uh, on this podcast, we had Sharon. So she's been a registered mental health nurse. Uh, she's also now a, a complex uh, registered care manager for um, for a domiciliary care company. So uh, looking after people with uh, uh, complex needs. Um, we had a fantastic conversation uh, about all, all things uh, coronavirus. She was the first person that I know that uh, was really worried about it. Uh, we had a chat chat about that and sort of about how the, it's affecting her services. We also spoke about sort of becoming a manager and sort of being a manager. What the what are the highlights? What are the tough times? What are the you know, sort of trials and tribulations that you also have to deal with? We also went into more depth about the mental health nursing uh, to sort of look into what are the uh, sort of challenges uh, on the mental state of the sort of the uh, the, the mental effects of coronavirus. Um, and yeah, we, we sort of talked a bit about sort of care workers and sort of how they should be appreciated. Um, and I think I said in the podcast, while speaking to Sharon, you know, she was one of the first people that I know who um, in a management position really stood up for carers. And, um, you know, so it's and it's great to sort of see people are, are taking on that role and, you know, and uh, hopefully more continue to do that. We see that change. But yeah, check this one out. Very interesting conversation, um, you know, sort of hit t- touches a lot of points. Um, Sharon's got some really great stories. So, yeah, let me know what you think. Um, if you haven't already, sort of like us on Facebook, uh, check us out on Twitter um, and, you know, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we also have the blog that runs on the unappreciated uk. Let me know what you think. Um, you know, sort of if there's things that you want us to be looking at and sort of speaking about or looking into, let us know. You know, we, you know, we're very flexible about what we can look into we want to be tailoring um this content to being really valuable to you it's a learning a learning experience for all of us so yeah appreciate your time and yeah let me know what you think Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. How's thank your... you for inviting me. No, thank you very much for saying yes. You are, you are, were actually the first person that I asked, and I was, I was, I was very much anticipating that I would ask several people, and a lot of people would say no. So I was very grateful that. Um, oh, you're, you're welcome. That's a privilege. So no. Um, but yeah, how's how's your day been today? Um, very good. Yes. Yeah. Mondays are always a busy day, but not. It's not been bad compared to some. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I'm quite, I'm quite fortunate on Mondays. Mondays are usually a good day for me because um, uh, we sort of do like payroll on Mondays, and that's uh, very much Sam's bag. So um, during these lockdown times where Rose doesn't have any childcare, I get Rose for the day. So it's a, it's actually a quite oh, good day. For me. I, I actually don't mind Mondays. That sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just wanted to sort of, because obviously I know you from working with you for, for, for uh, you know, sort of a good while, but, um, you know, just sort of for people out there, would you mind giving us a little bit of sort of professional background, just so then we know sort of a, a little bit about where, where you're coming from? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I've been working in, in healthcare, the healthcare industry, all my adult life, really. I left school and um, 
uh, decided to do well work in a care home initially yeah. and involved a, a lot of cleaning um sitting with elderly people give, giving them company making cups of tea yeah. and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that and decided you know I wanted to learn more um so I ended up doing my nurse training and became a, a registered mental health nurse yeah. and um then went on to become um community psychiatric nurse um so did that for about a period of eight years and then um had a bit of a career change and I was contacted um to find out whether I'd be interested in helping with a recruitment company an agency who were supplying healthcare workers into care homes so they were looking for someone that had um health background um but also had a bit of knowledge and you know on, on it booking rotors that type of thing and i thought you know that might be a yeah a really nice a, a good change i think working in mental health as a nurse for you know quite quite a long time yeah. you do reach um you do reach our i did a, a burnout stage because yeah. it's so intense on the acute admission wards and i think yeah i was ready for a change so um yeah, I've um, I've been working at, a, at an agency and recruiting staff. Um, initially, that was to place in care homes, and now I've set up a separate division, which is to support people who have very complex healthcare needs in the community. Yeah. So staff go and work with them in their own home, um, not for short domiciliary care visits. They tend to be long shifts. Uh, we have clients that have to have 24-hour care, tracheostomy support, people on pegs. Um, so that's um, f- peg feeding through through their stomach, um, meds also given that way. So there's a, there's a lot of speciality um, required and a lot of training needed for the staff for that, that sort of role as well. So you're getting to use your clinical as well as the business sort of uh, head as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on our, on our division, we have... My background is mental health. I have an adult nurse, a children's nurse, and a learning disability nurse. Yeah. So we're covered um, from an office point of view, are able to support the staff from the, a, a broad knowledge and lots of experience, which I think is needed because we will see the clients, they do have very complex healthcare needs and we have um, referrals from as young as one year old up to I've got a ninety-seven year old. Yeah. So um, yeah, the full full range. A, a full of a full range. Ages and conditions. Yeah. yeah. So go go just to go back um, there on what what you said there, like with the um, mental with the what made you choose mental health nursing as opposed to sort of doing general nursing? I think because it seemed mysterious. <laughs> I know that sounds odd, but there was. It appealed to me because it didn't have answers. Yeah. General nursing, you know, if, if someone breaks a bone or, you know, has a, a, a physical condition, yeah. you know, there are, there are set things um, that have to be done. They know how to treat them. But mental health had that element of the unknown that it isn't always clear. And it drew me to, to it for that reason, I think. It was... Um, I felt it would be more challenging than learning X, Y, Z for certain procedures. Is it um, is it less mysterious to you now, or? Oh no, it's still very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's just I very. Think it's a, 
everyone's so everyone's so different you know time goes on and medical advances there's different medications that help support people with different types of mental illness but for some people um you know there isn't that cure you know it can be treated in terms of um keep keeping things at bay but they might have to live with a long-term mental health condition it doesn't cure it as Mm. such so there's also that element of counseling and that's that type of support that's needed as a mental health nurse as well it's not just about medication you know it's all all sorts of social support Um, and obviously people with mental health problems still have physical health problems um so you have to part of my training it was called project 2000 yeah and um it was 18 months the first 18 months we had to do general nursing children's nursing I got to go out with the ambulance team um yeah it was amazing theatre went into theatre watched some operations and then the, the second 18 months, you specialise in mental health so, and then take your exams at the end. So that, that Project 2000 training, I, I, I found it wonderful because it gives yeah. you that really broad knowledge of all sorts of, um, you know, all sorts of conditions, not just mental health. And just understanding all those different perspectives of sort of the NHS and sort of healthcare, you know, get, getting to ride along with the ambulance and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, all all the auxiliary services yeah. and extra support services that are there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would have made it through the operations, the theatre side of things. That <laughs> I wouldn't have made it through. I don't think. But... Well, I will tell you a funny story. I was so because it's the operations. You do have to stand and watch for quite a long time, and um, I was a little bit worried that I would faint. Um, but, you know, I thought, I'll, I'll be OK. Um, and I, I, I was standing by the, the operating table and the surgeon looked at me and he said, you're very short. He said, somebody get this lady a stool. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to stand on the, the stool and I thought, oh, no, now if I faint, I'm going to have a hell of a fall. <laughs> but, um, I didn't. I didn't. I survived. Yeah, the the fear the fear of falling off this stool has just added, you know, sort of double jeopardy, really, isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. One of the um one of the things that um made me think, do you know, I'd love to speak to Sharon about this, is because um obviously we've got the coronavirus and everything going on at the moment, and I think and you were were the I think the first person that I remember seeing that I know that was really speaking about this thing seriously, and I and I mean that like genuinely, like because you know I think yeah. A lot of people were like, you know, and I know I was very much like, um, you know, what is this thing miles away, but not really paying too much attention to it. And actually, like, now I'm, I don't know if that was a quicker way of doing this, but I wanted to find like the earliest um, sort of coronavirus status that you've done, because that's what I would have seen. Really? And, okay. and I did find it. And um, it did was. You? Yeah, I, well, I found one, which was, it was the 20th of February. I couldn't go back any further. That. If there's a quick way to Facebook stalk someone, I don't know it. And that was <laughs> as far back as I was willing to go because I was sort of, you know. But yeah, but but I but what I found was a really good one where you'd sort of said about, you know, I, I think the first line is what caught my eye. I was like, I know my uh, friends and daughter might think I'm a freak, but I, I'm really, um, you know, I've already started stocking up on face masks and things like that. That was the point of it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Put... Well, I started that back in January. I only admitted it in February. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you know, like but you know, that's just like I just thought, and I just well, I thought, well, 
you know, how frustrating was it that for that long you were sort of like ringing the alarm and, you know, for at least a month before, and like you say, January, you know, like, yeah, yeah, how frustrating was it to be sort of like ringing the alarm and... Yeah, I mean, even people that I work with, they, they, you know, had people rolling their eyes at me and saying, oh, for goodness sake, yeah, stop worrying, it's just going to be like flu. Yeah. I, I was saying, well, it isn't though, because... This is this is unknown. This is a new virus. We don't know. Um, we don't know how it's going to evolve or mutate. Or um, so yeah. I'm I'm one of those people that um, I kind of panic inside and I catastrophize in my head. I'm a hundred miles ahead, thinking, oh, what's the worst that could happen? And I think that always makes me organised and prepared for things. Yeah. But you've been proven right this time. Unfortunately, yes. I'd rather be wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it would. I would have had, been quite happy for it to have passed through as flu because, yeah, it's having a terrible effect um, for carers. You know the anxiety that they're going through. Um, clients who are having to have people come into their home because they need care, but at the same time they're they're vulnerable and shielding. So, yeah, terrible time. Well, so, I mean, obviously, in your sort of current role, are you sort of a senior manager for complex home care? Is that sort of about right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so what has been the sort of impact of sort of coronavirus on your services, obviously, just sort of, you know, in as general terms as you're comfortable with? Well, I, I think we've been really, really lucky. We're, um, we don't have um, shortages of PPE. We managed to get everything that we did need. Yeah. Um, you know, we haven't got enough to last for months and months, um, continually having to source that. Um, but our staff have been wearing that from very early days. And as a result, I, I don't know as a result of that, or but our clients, we haven't got anyone at the moment that's had symptoms. Yeah. So thank goodness. Yeah. yeah touch wood. They're yeah. all well. Yeah. Touch wood. They're all well at the moment. Mm. Um, but obviously, we've had to do an awful lot of work planning contingencies. You know, all, it's all the what ifs, and it's but, yeah. it's very individual. You know, it's thinking about a particular client. What are their needs? Who do they live with? Can they go out? Um, how are they getting their shopping? Things like that. And like the, the, they, there's a whole new did... element of logistics sort of thing, trying to figure out yeah. how to do the extra yeah. stuff with family, not able to do as much as what they were for the sort of... That's right. Family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And some of those clients, obviously, if they did show symptoms, because they've got quite serious other underlying health problems, they would potentially need to be in hospital for the support because they need equipment that they haven't got in their own homes yeah yeah well, so i was going to sort of say to you about obviously um sort of ppe but of, as you say like you know you're not you haven't got a shortage and hopefully sort of like well well stocked with that i mean yeah um, it's been a continuous a continuous daily battle to get yeah. what we've got but i think if we continued with that um, even if we just get small amounts here and there just to keep us topped up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, national shortage. And um, I think even some of the hospitals in Norwich have, have said to me that they're struggling to get particular types of things. Yeah, well, I know with the, um, cause with the Ipswich and Colchester, they've got a charity in there. And I know they're sort of uh, appealing for anyone who can sort of, uh, would be able to sort of help sew gowns and stuff like that. You know, it's just sort yeah. of... 
like it, it, there's also been you know sort of the, on the positive side there's been a huge coming together you know of of you know which oh yeah absolutely uh, you know outside of like this this type of emergency yeah um, you know but um so like a, um solidarity um and the support that everyone is giving the you know the nhs and all the key workers is amazing um it's a shame that it's taken this for us to show that appreciation yeah. i think to key workers because you know they are so valuable and it's an event like this that shows you just who really is keeping the country together yeah and what and you know i think that i think uh, you know i was going to sort of come to this but like you know there would be a, a huge like mental shift i think for for all of us about what's um you know what's valuable and what's um you know and what's important sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely so how you know sort of like how how long have you been sort of managing services? Would you say? Oh, so I'm probably going to have to go back until I was uh, in my mid twenties, and I'm fifty now, Adam. So yeah. about twenty five years. <laughs> so you know, so you've got a, a a lot of experience, and obviously there's a you know this is a this, if you were coming into management now, um, you know this would be a very challenging time to be coming in, in, into sort of a management role. But like, what yeah. would you say? You know, it, from your, your experience, you know, what would be like the highlight of of um, of being a manager? What would be, you know, if you were to say to somebody, "This is my reason for being a manager," what what would that be? Oh, it's just meeting my clients and seeing the difference we make. I've had um, a, a, a client's mum uh, just say to me, just the, a few words. She just said, "Thank you for looking after my son," and yeah. that to me meant so much that. It's those little little things and pe just people saying thank you or um, knowing that you've made a difference to a family or someone's life in a small way. That's that to me is what it's all about. And that can be you don't need to be a manager for that, though. That's you can do that as a carer. Absolutely. Um, and it's about the whole team. You've got to have the right caring nature right from the managers, the nurses, your care staff, support workers. Um, and if you've got the people with that right ethic, um, that work, work ethic and empathy and caring nature, um, then you, you, you get, get a good service. Yeah. And I, I think I think sometimes there's just, you know, I think 95 percent of people in care are all of uh, are exactly like you've described, like with the right ethos and ethics, you know, and, so, you know, sort of it's sometimes yeah. people need the tools to do yeah. the role you know to the it's such a hard job yeah it's such a hard job uh, for everyone uh, you know whichever type of job you work do, you do in healthcare yeah and but it's so you need that you have to have that to keep you going because you know the, those little moments get you through the tough times and you know in the sad times you know sometimes you have to face clients passing away yeah. or you know dealing with complaints or dealing with someone that might be aggressive um i've faced lots of challenges like that throughout my career and um but it's holding on to those little moments of people being really pleased and saying thank you and knowing you've made a big difference that's what it gets you through the stressful times yeah i think i think if, if i think of any of the times where i'm sort of like where i've been most proud of my time in care it's all time being a sort of care care worker or you know sort of support worker where I've actually like where to be honest if I if I said like it wouldn't really mean anything to anyone apart from me and the person who you know sort of with that that 
that made that impacted you know like because it was it's a small thing in the scheme of things but not to not not in terms of that little moment of that day yeah you know what I mean? it's really personal to you isn't yeah. it? and you can come away and you can just it just melts your heart doesn't it you think oh it just makes you feel so happy that you've made that difference yeah and there's it's, it's in that respect it's unlike any any other job for, for me sort yeah. of thing um you know there's a but the, but at the same time there's a lot of easier jobs so like you know would would is there is there like in terms of being at the at the manager like it's a lot of responsibility is there sort of like a, a low light if if you like so but you know what's what would you say like these are the you know there's also difficult days what what do they look like or what have they looked like well I think the, the, some of some of the there are frustrations in this job, like with um, with recruitment. Recruitment is really hard in this job. You know that yeah. we the the money isn't as attractive as you know perhaps you know being an accountant or what whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, carers don't get paid high high wages, and so recruitment is always difficult. There's always a lot of jobs being advertised for care, and I think because there are so many jobs on show and available. It looks to people as though they're easy to apply for. Oh, it's easy to get into a care job. But in fact, you know, it, it isn't because we look for certain qualities. But we, we also get frustrated when you know, a lot of time and effort goes into recruitment and people don't turn up for interview or they start the job and then decide, no, it's not for me. Um, we can give people shadowing, give them as much support, training, um, you know, go through everything. Um, but sometimes, you know, you do, you do get someone that it's not right for them. Yeah. And to be fair, if it isn't, then, you know, that would come across to the client. So perhaps it is for the best. But, yeah, recruitment can be a frustrating part of the job. Um, the, the more I've are... into, the more I've looked into recruitment as well as a, as a sort of issue, the more I sort of see that you know there's um you know sort of care workers are, are are leaving care you know like it's not it's not that it's not that we're you know every time you recruit some somebody sometimes it's to replace somebody who's who's left you know and that's that, right and that, and that and that you know that doesn't help care homes and to, you know sort of care services to sort of um you know to, yeah. to to increase their capacity to be able to to deliver more care you know yeah you know, so i mean we, yeah. you know there's often phone calls and you know sort of and and you know can you are you able to care for this other person that's like, i'm sorry i don't have the capacity to do that you know and that's uh, yeah yeah <laughs> it's hard to build numbers of care staff and mm. sometimes like you say it's two steps forward and one one back because for whatever reason someone leaves and people have you know personal circumstances for whatever reason Absolutely. that you know the job that is isn't no longer suiting them um you know it's early starts sometimes it's late nights sometimes people are needed on night shifts and you know it's not for everybody especially family if you've got family children um you know it can take a toll on someone's personal life yeah. So, for you know, lots of different reasons that people, you know, find it's not for them. Yeah, no, and there's, yeah, I think the last figures that I saw from, I think it was Skills for Care, I think it was 149,000 people uh, last year left care, I, I believe, you know, and that's, so like, you know, the, yeah. the care sector needs to find 149,000 new people before they can, you know, before they can e e even, you know, look to, you know, because obviously, we, you know, the services are running sort of generally short, aren't they? But yeah, 
So yeah, so you know, sort of recruitment there. So a bit, so developing recruitment skills is a is a is a key. Yeah, I think one of the things that people need to be aware of, though, is that that, that there is that career progression that, you know, the majority of companies will offer MBQs, training, and you can upskill yourself. And that's how I started off life. You know, I started off life as a care assistant and gradually worked my way up. Um, you know, that in the career progression can can go in lots of different directions. So it's a starting point if you you know thinking of working in care if you haven't got experience and think it's not a dead end job you know you can get a lot of training and qualifications and work your way up and specialize in particular areas yeah and do, do you know i think the uh, upskilling yourself is the really important part because i think you know i know it's difficult if you're you know sort of working full time and you know family and st- things like that but i think there i think that is the the thing is to try and find time to upskill yourselves because not all companies do invest in and you know i think actually that kind of takes me on to the next point for sort of even care managers because i think there's an element with with care managers then they haven't got the they're not given the time to upskill themselves or develop themselves as leaders and as managers. Um, you know, we've yeah. got, we've got, um, you know, sort of to, to touch on some points, you know, but in there's a gradual privatization in health and social care. I think you've got a couple of the biggest providers um, like HC1 and Four Seasons. They're owned by like big private equity companies where their whole goal is to buy it, turn it into a profit and to sell it, you know, and, um, and, you know, so they're not looking to invest in their managers and you've got underfunded services as well. You know, what, what, yeah. you know, sort of what do you think would need to change in care for the, for the, for the focus to be on quality as opposed to profit? Yeah, I think it personally for me, I've worked in lots of different places and mm. um, I've seen good places and I've seen bad and, I think personally, I found that it always comes from the directors. If you, if the directors and the owners of the company have got good morals and want quality and are prepared to put that over profit, then it's going to be a successful business. You're going to have happy staff. You're going to invest time in your staff to make sure they're supported, that they can do training. Um, and, and, and that that's that's how I, I see. Yeah see it working where I am now and and comparing that to places where I have worked in the past where that philosophy hasn't been the same and it's really about you know just squeezing everything out of someone that they can just to make some money yeah um I think I I don't think people like that should be in in working in healthcare as directors no, I kind of um the, the thing I like to say is sort of care isn't corporate and you know nor should we be you know what I mean like it's a, I think the yeah. best the best companies I've worked for are the the small and the medium sized businesses the people who Absolutely. sort of they've got some personal connection to um care whereas I've worked with you know sort of um some companies which are you know sort of uh, ha- haven't you know they haven't ever worked within care you know you know what I mean and um you know and and so yeah I think it's very yeah very they're good. running it running it as a business rather yeah. than a service to people you know, yeah and like, I think all of us understand that a business needs to um you know to be profitable to survive but at the same time it needs to be um you know it's the it's what the what's the you know is it you do you need to squeeze every single penny out of every single person and or do you need to make enough to so to continue yeah. that's that's the question you know I, I, um 
but yeah, I think I think that's that's some of the challenges that I think we face that we that we do face where you know sort of as small and medium businesses that they that you know that the big corporate companies can sort of put a lot of pressure on and they and they get all the media attention which creates the sort of the the outlook that people have about sort of health yeah. and social care. Yeah. And then it ends up, yeah, front line for the papers because, yeah, the care homes have had a bad rating and staff haven't had training. Yeah, and it hits the headlines and then it gives, a, 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 you know, a negative influence, doesn't it, to the general public about what carers are like and what care companies are like. It's the same as a football match, you know, is, is that 5% of, you know, is the, is the worst 5% that gets all the media attention? Yeah. That's a, you know, sort of, it's the, the same as that for me anyway. But, um, but yeah, it yeah. makes a good story, doesn't it? But they forget about all the good stuff that's been going on. That's the thing. Is that like, but I think that's the difference that people, like all of us, you know, I think, you know, I'm, you know, sort of the same really. But, you know, all of us could um, do, do probably more to share the really positive small things that actually resonate with people. But we kind of think, oh, you know, it doesn't matter to anyone else, you know. But the, I think the little stories are sort of what, what would say, oh, do you know, I'd love to be part of that you know, that yeah, feeling and yeah. making that difference. So, um, yeah. so sort of just tipping tip tip back towards the coronavirus. I, don't, I try not to dwell on it too much. Um, like I st- you know, sort of stop reading the media, but, um, but um, sort of like the nurses in the sort of the nurses are sort of putting their lives on the line every, every single day now, sort of like in these circumstances. What, what yeah, obviously they're going to their, their local hospitals which are sort of the biggest hazard areas uh, available to them in their local area um is it sort of all in the day's work for them or do you think that they're they're go, you know sort of this is more they're going to feel that this is more than what they signed up for like what do you think the general feeling? yeah i see i i haven't spoken to any nurses that work in hospitals because we we supply stuff to people within their own homes yeah however i think personally if, if that was me I mean yeah, yes it's, it would be my job um, I would have to go in and do my job that's what I've signed up to do but I'm sure every single one of them are frightened inside it must be so scary especially yeah. when they're coming home to families I mean some of them are living away aren't they to protect their yeah. own families um, but yeah um, I think a lot of nurses and care staff have already died and it must be very, very frightening to work in those high risk environments, especially if the government aren't providing the PPE that's needed. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's actually I think a minute. They're very brave. I'm not sure what time actually now off the top of my head, but I think there's a minute, minute silence tomorrow for people of the key yeah, work. Yeah, at 7.30. 7.30, isn't it? Yeah, yeah so, I think so. Yeah, no, but like you know, it's just a, you know, it's just unbelievable to think that sort of um, you know, sort of the, just the amount of people that are, are dying on the front line is incredible, really. Like, just yeah. to, and, that, and that people still turn, you know, so still turning up every day. It's just a, you know, just very commendable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if I've got that seven thirty right. That might be Captain Tom. It might be something to do with him happening tomorrow night at seven thirty. I need to find out. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. It. I, I I need to have a look as well. But uh, maybe maybe I can um, maybe I can find out before before uh, before we before we come off here. So anybody yeah, listening, yeah. anyone listening tonight <laughs> or early morning tomorrow will know the time. But um, 
but yeah, but, uh, um, yeah, let uh, us know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so um, just come, come and uh, you know, sort of still on the sort of COVID nineteen thing, but you know, um, but go, going back to sort of your mental health nursing, you know, uh, obviously in February, sort of right, there was a, the big story about sort of Caroline Flack, sort of she took took her own life, sort of um, sort of the, through a, a, a lot of different things, and one of that was sort of depression. Um, yeah. So sort of this brought on a big com- uh, conversation about sort of depression and sort of suicide and things like that. But that's gone by the wayside a little bit, that conversation. But with COVID-19, what do you think the sort of mental health implications are? Like just on the macro, like in the in terms of like across, you know, I, th- I think it's going to affect all of us in, in ways that we don't quite understand. Yeah, um, I, I've had conversations with this about friends, with friends and family that, you know, the, the people that I used to work with in the community who had quite severe mental health problems, paranoia, schizophrenia, yeah. acute anxiety disorders, uh, uh, you know, the anxiety would be brought on by the smallest of things. What they're going through now must be absolutely horrendous. So there's just as much support needed for people with mental health problems. Um in terms of Caroline Flack, I think one of the messages that came out of that was to be kind to each other. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can be anything, be kind. And yeah. I think that's a message that we need to remember always, not just after her death, but now and in the future. Yeah. Because I mean, the, the, there's going to be so many people that are affected by this in terms of their mental health um and you know it's just keeping an eye out you know are your neighbors okay obviously we can't go round but i've had notes put through the door of my elderly neighbors you know this is my number if you need anything let me know and yeah just be thoughtful and kind as much as you can one of the things because obviously um you know the because one of the conversations I was having with Tam actually recently was about sort of Rose. She's not able to go and see her sort of little baby club friends and stuff like that, you know. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's just sort of like what got you know, obviously, and I know you sort of have grandchildren as well. And sort of it's just a strange, you know, sort of like to think what the impact is on children who don't really understand, but like there's obviously they're just losing so much valuable sort of social time, you know, yeah. um, with, with friends, you know, and not really understanding why. It's just a it's just going to be very um, sort of interesting to see, you know, whether it has an impact. Hopefully, it, you know, because the longer it goes on, the more it feels like it will have a sort of a longer lasting impact. So. Yeah, I think children are very resilient, though. And I think yeah. their minds um, are, are more accepting than ours. We're, we're as adults, we're worriers and we're aware of a lot more. Yeah. Um, as a child, you tend to be in your own little bubble, your own world, enjoying your toys. And that's all that matters to you that day. Um, So in that respect, the children are quite, you know, the lucky ones, Um, you know, they they haven't got to process what's going on um, as much as we have. But like you say, yes, social interactions, education, everything's going to be slowed down, isn't it? Um, But I think, you know, this isn't going to last forever and we've got to stay hopeful and that children will be able to catch up on those things later on. And hopefully it, it won't have a long, long lasting impact. No, no I, I agree. I hope, I hope, I hope it doesn't. And the, the sooner, the sooner that this is all passed, the, be, the better it will be. Absolutely. But, um, 
but yeah, but um, so and uh, you know, sort of in so in February, um, we had the government also um, sort of describe care workers as being sort of unskilled, and then in March, mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, did, was that something that you sort of saw? I mean, that's something that in Facebook groups I saw was a you know there was a huge uproar uh, amongst yeah. the sort of care community about it, you know, and and in, in March then obviously we're all just described as sort of key workers and sort of to you know to and asking that we and then really valuable yeah yeah contradicting themselves a month later but if there's no such thing as an unskilled care worker these days going back years adam the the, historically it used to be you know people that supported people in their own homes or um care homes it used to be um you know like home help you know it would be like that's a mum who had children was just looking for a bit of extra money and would just be able to walk in and do the job but now there is so much training there's so many things that carers have to be trained and qualified in it's a skilled job yeah you you know it's not it's 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 really sad and wrong that it's still thought of as unskilled because it definitely isn't. There's so much that carers have to do and think about recording, writing reports, filling out forms, um, taking temperatures, administering oxygen. There's all sorts. Yeah. Um, and for me, I always go things, back. Some of those things used to be, you know, only done by nurses in the past. Yeah. But now, you know, nurses are doing some of the uh, work that doctors just did you know did in the past yeah and care staff and support workers are now taking on some of those nursing tasks but they're not so being it's a re- skilled job yeah they're not being recognized for it and you know and not financially uh, no no some of the skills you know sort of you know that they're things that are you know more personality traits in terms of like you know sort of being able to put somebody before yourself is is not is not something that I'm aware everybody has to be honest. Like you know, isn't you know sort of having empathy and being able to you know and, you know having empathy as opposed to sympathy and you know sort of yeah. um, you know being being able to sort of understand and to deliver care in a really personable way is is yeah. something that to be honest people you know I think some you either t- tend to have those skills or you don't sort of thing you know it's yeah um... yeah you can't teach someone to have a friendly personality no. you know you can teach someone how to monitor oxygen saturations or yeah. take temperatures but you've still got to have that you know that persona that friendly caring persona and not everybody has that <laughs> like you say no and like so there, there seems to be some effort from the government to sort of try and you know sort of uh, appreciate sort of social care carers specifically i think there's a lot of uh, a lot really um of focus going towards the nhs right now and i think the government are trying to pull some of that towards sort of social care um you know obviously with the care bra- care badge um which has got quite a bit of stick but you know, but as I, th- I think I understand what they're trying to do as a perspective in terms of like they're trying to create a brand similar to the NHS. You know, um, yeah. Like... I think it just came out at the wrong time when people were desperate for PPE and yeah. um, recognition of what they were doing, and it was well, here's a badge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I get the I get the idea, but like you say, like it probably just wasn't delivered in like you know the, uh, but you know this is this is the government that we talk about. It's we wrong are... timing. Yeah, you know, like you know. They're, 
they're, you know, they're, they're never going to get anything right anyway. So, you know, um, so, so at least 50% of people are always going to say they're wrong anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, there's always people that are going to moan about even the good stuff. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, no, but uh, just, yeah, what, what, you know, what do you think sort of, um, you know, c- could be done to sort of, um, just to show appreciation, you know, what does being appreciated mean to you? And because I, I mean, I know from working with you, you know, you you were the first person that I really saw in a leader leadership role that sort of took action on behalf of care workers. And, you know, the, the, the thing that springs to mind for me is sort of holiday pay specifically, you know, it was, you know, sort of, and sort of standing up for sort, sort of care workers from that, yeah, yeah. you know, what, how yeah. do you think that people, um, how do you think that people should be appreciated? Yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it's from all, all angles, really. I think, you know, the, the, I think the general perception needs to change. That might have to come from government downwards. Mm. It's financial recognition as well. Um, but it, also how you are as a manager supporting your staff, um, that you do take the time to say thank you and appreciate people with, you know, e- even if it's just words yeah. that goes a long way if you say thank you and that you genuinely appreciate what your staff are doing um i've always had the philosophy that i wouldn't ask my care staff to do anything that i wasn't prepared to do myself yeah. you know and so if they need a hand i've been out there i've you know i I've, I've done bowel care i've emptied catheters i've been there with them and done it all yeah. um to support them you know and they're it breaks down any hierarchy. I think they, they, you know, they know that they're a part of a team and they're valued as a team. Um, but yeah, it's got to come from all angles. I think, Adam, um, you know, national minimum wage. Um, there's a lot of places that still pay that to staff, and that that's just that's, that's, that's not right. I think it's a majority. I, I honestly think it's a majority that are paying that sort of level of wage. I, yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't know, but you know, but from my own experiences of sort of speaking to lots of different services, that's that's my experience. Yeah. But you know, and I, I don't think. I think it, perhaps, perhaps the the government could look at a national minimum care wage, so that yeah. you know, or, or a national minimum key workers wage, so that yes, yeah. inflating inflating that that baseline for you know the essential services. Because, including the care staff. I don't think because I, I so, you know sometimes it's uncomfortable to sort of say about money when you're talking about care because you know but at the, at, you know at the same time like the care workers are not asking for to be you know sort of paid a ridiculous sum of money people are asking for a real living wage and like and you know I don't know if you've sort of seen any of sort of my previous stuff but you know I talk about sort of the real living wage from uh, sort of this thing called the Living Wage Foundation and I think they yeah. said uh, you know for this year it's £9.30 you know and um, is just trying to, um, yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's all that people are asking for. People are asking for a real living wage. Yeah. You know, they're not they're not saying I want to be paid twenty. I don't want to be paid nurses' rates. That's not what they're asking for. It's just a real living wage, and and eight eight pound seventy two doesn't cut it. That's you know that's one percent over being considered in relative poverty, and that's not acceptable. So um, no, no, and it's about. Um paying people what they are worth and um you know when when I first qualified as a nurse Adam um and I did my first month 
on the ward and I thought fantastic I'd been living on I'd got a bursary I'd been living on 360 pound a month yeah. for three years three years as a student nurse I had to work in care homes for on in a, on doing bank work between my lectures I'd be I, this was the days before a computer so I'd be on my typewriter till three <laughs> o'clock in the morning typing up my essays yeah and yeah three years of that and I was so excited to actually I'm gonna get a proper wage and my first wage of a degrade nurse which I started off as um qualified nurse and I got paid the same as a bin man yeah now they do a good job I'm not denying that yeah. but I felt I've got so much responsibility. I've got people's lives in my hands. You know, I had people, you know, really seriously ill coming in for drug detoxes, um, you know, going through horrendous um, mental health issues, sometimes suicidal. And it's an awful lot of responsibility. And I'd done that for a month and I got paid the same as a man emptying the bins. And it just, it just didn't seem right. Um, and, you know, when you're dealing with people's lives, you, there, there's got to be a level of it's, it's not it's, in terms yeah, it's of what you pay to do that job. Yeah, sorry. But, yeah, it's the level of responsibility you take. It's not just the skills that you have and the training you have. It's, you know, what are you being, what, you know, what if you sign a piece of paper, what does that count you for? And that's, you know, in that in your position there, you, you know, you've got people's lives that you're saying. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, as a registered manager, you could be personally fined, you can go to prison. Yeah. You know, you, it's an awful lot of responsibility. You have to make sure that everything you do is compliant, that you're following CQC guidelines and regulations, that you're meeting those, as well as everything else. It's an awful lot to, to you know, hurdles to, to jump and hoops to get through um yeah a lot of responsibility so and it's for carers as well they have to follow their training and they have an awful lot to remember sometimes whilst dealing with very difficult clients you know potentially someone with very autism um or challenging behavior in that respect um you know and you're still trying to you follow your training while dealing with a difficult situation that's that's very hard for people when yeah, when you, well, I don't think there's anything more difficult than dealing with people, you know. And I think you can ask anyone that from a sort of retail and sort of any any job that involves dealing with the public, really, you know. So and yeah. people is is very very challenging. Um, but yeah, um, so um, just a like last question that I have really for for you, Sharon. But you know, sort of like it's a it's an important one, like you know. But um, what has been your greatest experience in care? What's been you know what's What's that moment that you think of where it's like, um, this is why I do it? Oh, it's really hard to pin down one. <laughs> um, I think probably I have to go back to when I was doing my nurse training and um, it was work while I was, I was working on the children's ward in that first 18 months before I specialised in mental health. Um, yes. And it was supporting a young, a young girl who was going in for an operation who was frightened and um, also, you know, being there for her mum. And I, it just stands out that I made a difference 
to them. I don't know why, but that's 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 one situation that always sticks with me. Um, there's it's been lots of really good achievements over the years, like um, getting office manager of the year and things like that for you know the support that I've given to the company and to the staff um it's lovely to get that acknowledgement of your hard work and that recognition from directors you know there's been lots of great moments like that um just like I said the you know the client's mum the other day saying thank you for looking after my son that you know things like that they might just seem small but they are still huge for me yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like a real put, you know, sort of it's, it's that feeling of making a difference that, you know, sort of is the big, you know, that's the whole reason any of us do, do, do what we do, isn't it? You know, so yeah, uh, yeah. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, Adam. No, yeah, no, honestly, like I've, I've, I really enjoyed that and I actually found it so, so interesting. I, yeah, I really appreciate it. Oh, good. I hope everybody else finds it interesting as well. <laughs> I hope we get lots of listens. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, if 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 they if you do listen, then give us a like and give us a share. You know, everyone wants everyone's going to want to hear it. So you know. But yeah, no, Sharon, I really appreciate it. Brilliant, lovely. Speak to you soon. Time, Adam. Take care. So I hope you enjoyed that and um, took a lot of value from it. I think you know there were some really interesting points made. Um, Sharon uh, has a great depth and experience so uh, hopefully there was a, a lot there for you to sort of uh, unpack and to um, sort of for you to go away and think on um, and hopefully there's uh, you know sort of some of you uh, hopefully taken some inspiration away from that to sort of look at uh, what's what um, your own career path in terms of whether it be nursing or um, management. Uh, or maybe you are doing nursing and you'd like to consider, um, you know, sort of going into down the mental health um, route. Um, but yeah, that hopefully there was a, a lot of really interesting stuff there. Uh, as I said, you know, sort of check us out on Facebook, uh, the Unappreciated Carer, uh, on Twitter, Unappreciated C, and uh, the website, unappreciatedcarer.co.uk. Um, so yeah, let us let us know what you what you think. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, yeah, looks forward to speaking again soon.